Welcome to Peer Into Recovery, a podcast with a focus on the profession of peer support. For more information about how to subscribe, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I am your host, Danielle Donaldson. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Jonathan Lang about first responder peer support. Jonathan has served for 18 years as a firefighter EMT at Fort Belvoir Fire and Emergency Services at Bethesda National Naval Medical Center and at Forward Operating Base Camp Buka, Iraq. Motivated by the tragic loss of a coworker and his own struggles with substance use disorder and mental illness, Jonathan has successfully founded and developed the country's first federal peer support program for first responders at a U.S. Army installation. He is also a member of the International Association of Firefighters Behavioral Health Committee, representing the 16th District, in breaking the stigma and making a change in how the fire service responds to their own in regards to behavioral health and substance use disorder. Jonathan also works part-time in the evenings for the Alive RVA program in Richmond, Virginia, as a peer recovery support specialist answering the warm line. He has also founded and created the organization Hope for Emergency Responders Organization that provides funding, a scholarship for teens going into college who have lost a first responder loved one to suicide or overdose, as well as a first responder warm line staffed by fellow first responder peer support specialists. So hi, Jonathan. Thank you and welcome for joining me. Uh, Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast to talk about peer support for first responders. Um, I'm really excited to learn more about it. Awesome. Well, yeah. (laughs) Okay, uh, let me ask the first question then. Okay. Um, so just to begin, uh, how did you get started in working in peer support? What drew you to it? So what drew me to it was pretty much my own personal journey. Um, I'm, in, I'm an alcoholic and an addict myself uh, in long-term recovery. Um, what that means for me is I haven't had a, a drug or a sip of alcohol since October 2nd of 2015. Um, so that, that, that's where my, that's where my motivation came from. Um, you know, dealing with my own issues and, in a suicide at work, sorry. Um, so, so dealing with my own issues and a suicide at work, uh, got my wheels turning. Uh, one of my friends, uh, at the fire department ended up taking his own life, um, and nobody saw any of the signs or symptoms or anything that was going on with him. Uh, nobody could see it coming. It was like, oh, you know, what happened? Um, mm-hmm. And then so that kind of got the wheels turning with, with me, like, oh, th- th- there needs to be some kind of program or there has to be something in place to where people can notice these signs and symptoms and uh, people feel OK to talk about mental health issues. You know, w- w- within the fire service, it's very hard. There's a very there's a very uh big stigma involved with, you know, being mentally weak as they, as some people say it, or, you know, mentally or spiritually or, or anything like that. Any kind of weakness is, is they, they pounce on that. Um, so, uh, and then with my own issues, you know, I went to rehab, um, 
you know, I was struggling big time at work. Yeah. I, I would come in hungover and, you know, people would just kind of brush it off and say, Oh, go sleep it off. Or, you know, nobody held me accountable for my actions. Um, and nobody would call me out on, on what I was doing and it just allowed it to happen. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I slipped through the cracks and I feel like my, my friend slipped through the cracks as well. And, and that's, that's where my motivation came from. You know, finally, after I had about a year of sobriety under my belt, you know, I started and I had a strong, solid recovery program. That's when I started thinking, well, I don't want anybody else to slip through the cracks. I don't want to see somebody else. I don't want to see another, you know, brother or sister die, um, you know, by taking their own life or, or see somebody struggling with, with drugs or alcohol, you know? And, and I think mm -hmm. that with being able to have training and have, you know, certain people, individuals assigned to, um, you know, ha having that kind of role or responsibility within the fire service of looking out for other people, you know, I thought that was extremely important. So I kind of came, came up with a peer support team for, for work. Was it uh, like readily accepted or were people kind of hesitant to, uh, how, how was peer support, you know, the concept of it uh, received by them? So it was received pretty well because I was very vocal about my own issues and my own struggles. Um, luckily, I had very open-minded leadership um, at work. Uh, however, unfortunately, it's not the it's not the most case for you know other individuals and other departments and stuff like that. Where you know the stigma of of having something mentally or spiritually wrong with you, um, it, it's 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 horrible. Um, so it was dealt with you know with open arms because I think because I was so vocal with how bad I was struggling, and they realized that yes, we do need something in place. Um, so, so luckily I had all the support from my leadership that I needed. That's great. Um, so does peer support for first responders look different? Uh, does it differ, differ from what we normally think of as, as peer support in the mental health and substance use uh, realm? Uh, well, it doesn't look different. Okay, it does. So uh, being a peer support specialist, like for the state of Virginia, or, you know, you go get your certification, it requires that person to have some kind of lived experience. Um, you know, like me, I'm an alcoholic addict, you know, I, I suffer from depression, you know, I have that lived experience so I can relate to other, to other people. Uh, that's usually a requirement for a peer support specialist. Whereas in the fire service, you don't have to have the lived experience, you just have to have the empathy and the sympathy and the want to help, you know, you don't have to have, you know, some kind of disorder or something like that. You, all you have, all you have to have is just the, the want to help mm. somebody. So I think that's where it looks differently. So, and do you cover more than just, um, mental health challenges and addiction? Do you also just, is it peer support just, uh, for the profession itself, you know, yeah. the, the, the stress and the trauma that, that you guys um, see on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, a, going to a bad call, you know, um, uh, losing a patient or um, something like that, you know, something that can really weigh heavily on somebody, you know, we would we would talk about it and mm -hmm. let that person know that, hey, it's okay to feel this way. It's normal. 
um, whenever you lose a patient or, you know, you went through a really bad call or something like that, it's okay to have these feelings, uh, you know, that of, of failure sometimes. And, um, you know, so yeah, that, and, you know, for the, in the fire service, you know, the divorce rate is very high as well. So it's not just, it's not just the work itself that we respond to or, or, you know, provide peer support for. It's also, you know, family life. Uh, the schedule is very hard. Uh, right. You know, we work, we're gone for like two, three days at a time. Um, and that can weigh heavily on your personal life. And, you know, so we, we also help out with that. So it's not just work and calls and stuff like that, but it's every aspect of life. Do you um, have regular peer support like group meetings or what does it look like? Um, you know, what does peer support look like, I guess, on a day-to-day basis? So, uh, yeah, we have uh, once a month, we have a meeting um, of all the peer support uh, specialists that are within the department uh, just to kind of go over new training or, you know, specifically uh, with uh, confidentiality is the most important thing when it comes mm-hmm. to peer support in the, in the fire service. Uh, you know, you, nobody's going to trust you if you if they tell you something that's going on and you go and you tell somebody else, you know. So, um, you know, during these meetings, if we have somebody that we're, you know, have questions about or if we need, you know, some help with another peer support specialist for a peer, you know, we would talk about that as well. Um, but remaining the, conf- the, the confidentiality is, is the most important thing. Uh, a lot of times it's uh, just phone calls. Uh, a lot of times it's text messages and phone calls with another, with another peer, uh, that you're helping. Um, you know, some, some one-on-ones, if you notice that somebody has been struggling for the day, um, or if you, if you notice somebody came in and they've been having a really hard time, you know, you would sit down one-on-one with them and try to figure out what's going on and, and also responding to incidences. So, uh, if another department, so we had a, a neighboring department who went through a, a suicide. Um, and we actually sent a team up there of uh, four, four guys went up there and provided peer support for, for that department. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's nice to hear that you guys are kind of collaborating and supporting even outside your your usual group, I guess. I'm not sure how you're, you know, how you're, uh, well, our department. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, yeah. we, we don't just, you know, we, we don't just help each other in our own department, but if there's a neighboring department or something like that, you know, we would, and they would call for a need. They, so they know that we have a peer support team. Um, a lot of departments don't have one because they just don't have the resources to be able to, to get it together or, they don't have the people that, you know, are motivated to get it together, but they do know that like we have a peer support team. So they would call us when a, a, some kind of event happened. Um, and like I said, it was a suicide within their department. They didn't know how to handle it. So they called us and we went out and responded to that department and sat down with the individuals and, and, and talked with them and, and let them talk to us, you know, um, and just letting them know that you're there for them if they needed anything, I think is, is a huge help you know, um, and just, you know, telling them that it's okay to, to feel a certain way. You know, it doesn't mean you're weak minded or anything like that. It just, you know, means you're human. So, um, I, I heard you mention that not every department, you know, has the, the capabilities <clears throat> of providing, 
um, peer support to their first responders. Uh, but you obviously have um, experience in creating programs like that. Uh, what is it looking like as far as the future of um, first responder peer support? Do you do you see more of that becoming available? Is there? Um... Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's <clears throat> so I think ever since 2018, you know, it's kind of like peer support in the fire service or, or for first responders in in general. It's kind of like uh, the shiny new toy. Um, it's everybody wants to be a part of it. Everybody wants to have a program. Everybody wants to do it because it's the stigma is getting lifted. It's it's uh, you know, and that's a success. You know, that's one of the big things, reasons why. Like I joined the International Association of Firefighters Behavioral Health Committee was to so I could have a voice in the change of. The, the stigma attached to behavioral health and, and, and addiction, you know, uh, it, it is, it's getting better. Um, 10 years ago, this, it would have never been like this. There were 10 years ago, there, there would have never been a peer support team. Nobody would have been talking about, you know, feelings or, you know, this is going on at home or, you know, uh, Hey, that call, that last call we ran really messed me up. You know, nobody would ever talk about that. It was always joked or joked about or pushed aside or buried deep, you know? So, um, it, it looks completely different than it did 10 years ago. Uh, and you know, and it, it all has to do with getting training, um, and getting more people in, in leadership roles saying, Hey, it's okay to, to not be okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Is there, um, anything particularly unique about doing peer support in this type of setting? It, is it, does it greatly differ, um, from like, I guess answering the warm line for, uh, a live RVA, does that differ from the warm line, <laughs> the, the first responder yeah. warm line or probably not, but I, I'm just it's curious. It does. Um, you know, a lot of it, the big thing is being able to relate. Uh, you know, so like I, I was told a story from from somebody that they uh, so they have a therapist that they go and see. Um, and this therapist has no ha has no like experience with first responders or firefighters or anything like that. And the, this this individual opened up to the therapist and told him about a story um, about an accident uh, that, that still stuck with him. Um, and it, it still resonated with him, you know, even to this day. And at the end of the session, the therapist was crying. So that's, you know, so I think that that's the, that's a big difference, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, is being able to relate to another first responder or another firefighter, uh, it's completely different than, you know, talking to somebody on the warm line for a live RVA because, you know, a lot of times I, I don't relate to that person. I could, I just, you know, offer the peer support and the resources, um, where as in, you know, dealing with a, a first responder, you know, I, I can relate and tell them that, yeah, I, you know, I understand, um, you know. Well, and it seems to me that in some ways, um, first responder, and correct me if I'm wrong, first responder peer support and perhaps crisis peer support have some overlaps. I mean, the, the significant trauma that I imagine 
that both groups, you know, both sets of peer specialists are um, exposed to are, are somewhat similar. So it, it probably takes that, you know, kind of unique individual that can can be in that environment on a daily basis. Yeah. Yep. Now, uh, do you have many um, issues kind of recruiting new peer uh, specialists, uh, well, first responder peer specialists? Is there um, more people out there interested in becoming one or yeah. uh, is there a need? What what is that kind of uh, employment outlook? Not so, necessarily employment; it could be volunteer. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean. How does what does that outlook look like right now? Um, it, it's good. So I have people that are that constantly send me emails that want to be a part of the peer support team. Um, we've actually had to turn people away. Uh, we, you know, so that we have we have a process that we go through. Um, in order to be a part of the peer support team, you have to have uh, approval from your supervisor. Uh, to be able to do it just because we want to make sure that you don't have too much on your plate uh, going on because mm-hmm. it can be, it can be a pretty uh, challenging role. Um, but uh, they, so once they get the approval through their supervisor, then they go through an interview process with, uh, with four other peer support specialists uh, in a, in a manager, you know, a lead firefighter also. Uh, so we actually do, you know, vet, vet people, <clears throat> just to pretty much kind of find out their their motives and and kind of you know talk to them about what they're about to get into and if they are capable of it you know um, being able to take care of themselves as well because that's that's really important is self care mm-hmm. uh, that's like one of the questions on on the interview panel but uh, yeah I, you know it's I got I got a lot of people that want to be a part of the of the team because they see they see how much it helps. And, and how positive it's become within the fire service and they want to be a part of it. So, yeah, we don't ever have an issue with, with people wanting to join or, you know, like I said, sometimes we have to turn people away. So. Do you have your own um, peer recovery specialist curriculum or what, what type <clears throat> of training do you use for them? So we have, there's a lot of training out there. Um, free training, there's training that obviously you have to pay for, um, that that's fortunately, you know, with our leadership, we've been able to get some training brought in, um, Virginia first responder support services. Uh, it's an organization in the state of Virginia. They, they have a class, a two day peer support class that they teach. And uh, it's a really good class. Uh, so yeah, the, and then the International Association of Firefighters they have a class as well, but th- that one's pretty expensive to mm-hmm. bring in. It's it's a three day class uh, that they come in and they teach. All, it's all on peer support, mental health, and substance use disorder. Um, you know, there's role playing involved in it, and you know, it's it's a really good class. But you know, the, if you if you look there, are, there's a ton of training out there for peer support, including you know CISM, which is cr- Critical Incident Stress Management. Um, you, you know, there's just a bunch of different ways, but we don't have one set curriculum right now just because, you know, we kind of take what we can get when we can get it, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's no set curriculum, but you do have to, uh, so anybody who's on the team has to keep up with 10 hours of training a year. And okay. They ha- yeah. They have to provide, 
documentation that they've had, you know, 10 hour refresher training every single year. And they do have to, whenever they come on board, they do have to get involved in a two day or three day peer support class that's provided by uh, whoever's teaching it, (laughs) (laughs) you know. So do you have any particular um, resources you could recommend for anybody who would be interested in learning more about first responder peer support? Um, yeah, so uh, there's a couple. Uh, they can go on to the Virginia First Responder Support Services website. It's uh, vfrss.org, I believe. Uh, they can go on there, and it, it, there's, a, there's a ton of stuff on there um, to, to see you know, about classes and training and stuff like that. And also the uh, International Association of Firefighters, they, they have, if you go onto their website as well, uh, and you go under the behavioral health section, uh, there's a ton of resources. There's classes and, and online classes you can take. You can, um, you know, the, the resources are out there. Are there yeah. any Virginia specific resources or are those really kind of um, yeah, the, specific the, to the department or the uh, region that you're located in? No, for training, um, Virginia First Responder Support Services is the one I recommend. Okay. Uh, VFRSS, uh, that they are specifically for the state of Virginia and they, they do all the, uh, peer support training, um, and classes and everything. So that, that would be the first place I would look, uh, to go. And if there was, um, a first responder out there looking for peer support, um, what would you recommend uh, they do if they don't already have access to something like that in their department? Um, so I, I would, I would definitely give give them a call. Uh, VFRSS, uh, you kind of got me on that one. Um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I'm trying to remember our our phone number. For my for my nonprofit, uh, let me look here real quick. Sorry about that. I it just okay. it, it just occurred <laughs> to me. I was like, I wonder what someone would do if yeah. So if somebody if needed, they don't have peer support readily available, where where would they start? So they would they would start with Hero First. That's that's my organization. Okay. Um, it's it's my nonprofit. We have a warm line. Um, specifically for first responders. And uh, that phone number is 844-833-4376. Okay. And that, that, that's where I would go to first to call. Um, we have trained peer support specialists that man the, the warm line for this, uh, for, for my organization. And, uh, you know, it's actually gotten kind of busy the past month. Um, and busy, I mean, we've gotten three phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, it, it takes a lot for somebody to reach out for help, you know. Oh I, yes, and I, and I without understand a doubt. That. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, because whenever somebody's reaching out for help, that means it's real, you mm-hmm. know. And some people don't want to think that it, it's real, that they, there's something really wrong or anything like that. So, you know, just the fact that I've had three phone calls within the past month is it's huge for me, um, you know. And basically, you know, all you know, uh, a listening ear, you know, non-judgmental listening ear is some, something, you know people need every once in a while and possibly some resources, you know, so I'm able to provide resources for whatever that person may need, you know. And, you know, the call is, is confidential. So, (laughs) you know, that's, 
you know, always something to, to remind people that uh, peer support <clears throat> is confidential. Yeah, I can't I can't reiterate that enough. Uh, confidentiality is the most important thing to this. You know, I mean, obviously, um, being a mandated reporter, like I have to, you know, if, you, if you're discussing uh, harm to yourself or to somebody else uh, or abuse to the elderly or abuse to children like that, that, that kind of stuff I have to report um, being a mandated reporter. But, you know, everything else is confidential, 100 percent. Right. Are there any uh, last thoughts that you would like to share? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't really have anything else. Oh, that's great. Um, well, thank you very much, Jonathan, for what you do, and thank you for joining me today. And thank you uh, for listening to the Peer into the Recovery podcast, which was brought to you by the Virginia Peer Recovery Specialist Network and Mental Health America, Virginia. Stay well, everyone. 